You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Uh, How would you describe the Christian life? Uh, If you were just thinking about it in in your own head, if you're trying to make sense of it, maybe if you're trying to describe it uh, to a friend who doesn't know that much about it, how how would you describe the Christian life? Uh, The New Testament uh, describes it in in many ways, and it it uses a variety uh, of images to do that. Uh, For example, uh, it, it calls it a race. It says that the Christian life is a long and arduous contest, sort of like an uh, Olympic marathon, something that demands all of our energy. It requires great powers of endurance if we're going to make it and and, and reach uh, the goal to finish well. Uh, The Bible also talks about uh, the Christian life uh, in terms of spiritual warfare. Right? It says that it's this unrelenting battle with, with forces of evil that are seeking to destroy us. It's described as both a crucifixion and also resurrection. It says that the Christian life is death to sin, death to self, and it's the supernatural rebirth to eternal life in God. It's described as a discipleship, as a rigorous process of training and growth in Christ-likeness, a process of being formed into the very image and character of Jesus. It's described as a stewardship, uh, a responsible management of all of our powers and abilities, our time, our money, our opportunities, all of those things for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom here on earth. Uh, But it's also described uh, as something else as well. Uh, The Christian life uh, is a song of thanksgiving. It, It is a joyous hymn of praise to God. The Apostle Paul uh, exhorted the the Colossian church uh, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in their hearts to God. And he told them that they were to abound in thanksgiving. Uh, uh, In another uh, letter uh, to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians, he says, uh, Paul says that we should give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, In Ephesians, which we've just been studying, Paul says that we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to indicate uh, that a prominent mark of the Spirit-filled life is one of thanksgiving. Uh, The Christian life is thanksgiving always and in everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Christian life is a song of thanksgiving. Uh, Later this week, of course, we will uh, celebrate uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. It's a meaningful holiday, and it's also a foundational part uh, of the Christian life. And so this evening, uh, I want us to look at a book in the Bible, like I've already mentioned, uh, the book of Colossians, that really develops this theme uh, of thanksgiving. And I want us to sort of trace this theme in the book of Colossians and see how our thanksgiving ultimately is rooted in God's grace. Uh, so, uh, like I said, you can turn to page four in your liturgy and all of these passages that we're going to look at and read will, will be right there uh, for you. It's interesting that uh, in all four chapters of the book of of Colossians, the Apostle Paul 
uh, discusses in, in, in one way or another this theme of thankfulness uh, or thanksgiving. And so I'm going to read through uh, all four of these passages, and then I'm just going to lead us through a time of, of looking at a few observations and, and applications of this theme of thanksgiving uh, in our lives. So let's read these uh, together, paying particular attention uh, to what they say uh, about our thanksgiving. Uh, Starting there in Colossians 1. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then finally in chapter four, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving uh, is a prominent theme uh, in the book of Colossians. And so uh, this evening, I want us to consider uh, three things uh, related to this theme of Thanksgiving. Uh, The nature of Thanksgiving, the source of Thanksgiving, and the practice uh, of Thanksgiving. And so uh, essentially, we're going to be asking, uh, what is it, where does it come from, and then how do we cultivate the practice of it uh, in our lives? So let's start off with that first one, the nature of of thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? And I just want to point out for you two characteristics that we see here uh, in the book of Colossians and some of these, uh, some of these passages. Uh, first off, thankfulness uh, is a continual response. Uh, notice uh, in chapter one there, uh, right, uh, right off the bat in verse three, we always thank God. Right? We always give thanks, Paul says. In chapter 2, Paul talks about abounding in thanksgiving, right? It's overwhelming. We have a wealth of thanksgiving. And most all of these references to giving thanks here in Colossians are framed in the present tense, right? Meaning thanksgiving is not passive. It's not this one-time act that happened in our past. Paul is saying this is, this is our continual practice, uh, in First Thessalonians 5, which I uh, already mentioned, Paul reiterates this when he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and then he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Thanksgiving is continual, which means that it's not dependent on our circumstances. Right? It's not something that we do only when good things come. Uh, my oldest daughter, Ruby, is learning to pray, and she prays most nights for us around the dinner table, uh, and her prayers consist mostly of just retelling you uh, all the things that she did that day, uh, particularly focused 
uh, on, on the really good things that happened. And so uh, if you're praying with Ruby, her prayers often go like this. Uh, thank you, God, for getting to go to school today. And thank you for getting to see all my friends. Thank you for getting to go out on the playground and go down the slide. And thank you for piano lessons. And thank you for this unicorn necklace that I got. Right? She's just thankful for all the, all the good stuff, all the things that, that brings her happiness in her lives. And, and she's four years old. And so it's really cute. Uh, but for many of us, uh, our practice of thanksgiving uh, doesn't go much deeper uh, than my uh, daughter's prayers at the dinner table. Right? We, we give thanks uh, for the good things. And, and, and it's certainly good and right uh, to give thanks for all of the earthly blessings uh, that we have. But true biblical thanksgiving uh, is not dependent on those things. When Paul wrote uh, this book uh, of Colossians, uh, he was in prison. Right? He actually ends the letter by saying, remember my chains. Right? He's writing from a prison cell, and yet he says, I always give thanks. Uh, Paul views the life of thanksgiving as this constant, continual response. Right? And so that's the very first thing that we see. That's the first characteristic uh, of thanksgiving. Uh, here's the second. Uh, thankfulness has uh, a Godward focus. It has a Godward focus. Uh, thanksgiving in the Bible uh, is always directed uh, to God. If, if you look up uh, references to the Thanksgiving, giving, th- you, it's astounding. Thanksgiving is always directed to God. I mean, if you look here in Colossians, who, do, who does Paul thank uh, in these passages? Did you notice? Uh, in chapter 1. He always thanks God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Down in verse 12 of chapter 1, he's giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Uh, Down uh, in chapter 3, he calls us to have thankfulness in our hearts to God. When we think about expressing thanks, just just in our day-to-day lives, we tend to think about it either in vague general terms or we think about it primarily on the horizontal level, right? When someone gives you a gift, you send them a thank you note. When someone does something nice for you, you say thank you. And again, right, that's good and right. But what I want you to see is that in Scripture, thanksgiving is always vertical. It's aimed towards God himself. Now, one commentator says this about uh, Paul's call to thanksgiving. He says, for Paul to always give thanks is not a call to remain in a general emotional state all the time. It is a call to live a God-centered life, right? And we see that in Colossians 3, right? Colossians 3 says that a life of thanksgiving is a life where everything we do is in the name of the Lord Jesus, Our whole life is to be lived in thankfulness to God. Thanksgiving is our continual response to God himself. That's the nature of thanksgiving. That's what it is. So let's consider now the source of thanksgiving. Where does thankfulness come from? If thankfulness is a continual response, what is it that we're responding to? And the short answer is God's grace. 
Thanksgiving is a response to knowing and experiencing God's grace. God's grace is the source. You might think of God's grace in terms of what he has saved us from and what he has saved us to. And we see both of those elements here in Colossians, especially in chapter 1. Look at verse 13. Paul gives thanks to God as a response to what? As a response to God having delivered us from the domain of darkness. The domain of darkness is the domain of the evil one. It's the domain of Satan. We were at one time, Paul says in Ephesians, the children of disobedience. We were children of wrath. We weren't children of God at that time. We were enemies of God. And what Paul is saying here is that God's grace in our lives means that he has rescued us from that. He has redeemed us. He has saved us from that. Verse 14 there in Colossians 1 says, In Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, That word uh, redemption there in chapter one of Colossians means uh, to set prisoners free through uh, the payment of a ransom. Uh, And what Paul is doing here is he's reworking uh, the story of the Exodus uh, in the Old Testament. The story of the Exodus was uh, the defining story of the people of God in the Old Testament. The Exodus story uh, is how the people reading Paul's letter here in Colossians would have understood this idea uh, of God's grace. Uh, You'll remember in the book of Exodus, the nation of Israel, God's people, uh, were enslaved in Egypt. They They were in bondage as slaves. And it was only through the sacrifice of a lamb on that very first Passover uh, that the people of God were were set free, that they were delivered from this bondage, redeemed from slavery. And Paul is using this Exodus language and he's saying that we, as believers in Christ, have become part of, of a new Exodus. God's grace in our lives means that you and I have been set free from, from slavery to sin and we've been delivered through the redemptive work of Christ. Right? We've been saved from those things. That's God's grace in our lives. But not only that, God's grace means that he's also saved us to something. And we see that again in Colossians. Look at verse 12 there in chapter 1. Here Paul gives thanks to God as a response to God having qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. And also as a response to God having transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. God's grace in our lives doesn't mean that he delivers us from sin, but then he just, he leaves us to sort of fend for ourselves in this kind of neutral state. God delivered us, and then he made us citizens of a new kingdom. It's one thing to escape a nation that has enslaved you and find refuge in another nation. But it's another thing to actually become a citizen of that new nation. And that's exactly what has happened to us. We've become citizens of a new kingdom, and it's the kingdom of God's beloved son. And not only are we citizens of this kingdom, but we also share in the inheritance because we've actually been made members of the royal family. We're sons and daughters of the king. 
Right? And what Paul is doing here, right off the bat in Colossians chapter 1, he is unpacking for us the richness of the gospel. And he is revealing to us our very source of thanksgiving. You see, thanksgiving is the natural and necessary response to God's grace in our lives. Uh, the Swiss uh, theologian Karl Barth wrote about this relationship between uh, God's grace and thanksgiving. Uh, and he pointed out that uh, the Greek word for, for grace uh, is charis. Uh, and the Greek word for uh, gratitude or thanksgiving is eucharistia. Right? It's the same exact root word. Uh, and in commenting about this, Barth says, the only answer to charis, grace, is eucharistia, gratitude. Grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice of an echo. Gratitude follows grace like thunder follows lightning. When lightning strikes, you will inevitably hear this large clap of thunder. And in the same way, when God's grace strikes, when the full knowledge and weight of all that you have been saved from and all that you have been saved to, when that breaks into your life, you cannot help but be filled with songs of thanksgiving. It's the thunder of gratitude. What a powerful image. Thanksgiving is the inescapable response to God's grace in our lives. And so how do we, how do we cultivate it? What does the practice of thanksgiving look like in our lives? Look down at Colossians chapter 2. That second passage there. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This passage right here, these two verses, really are the core to the whole book of Colossians. These two verses summarize the entire point of Paul's letter to the Colossians, right? And the point is this. Just as you receive Jesus, so walk in him. Just as you receive Jesus, so walk in him. And how did we receive Jesus Christ? By grace alone. By grace alone. And so how do we walk in him? We walk by grace alone alone. The gospel that saves us is the same exact gospel that grows and sanctifies us. We never outgrow God's grace. The Christian life is a life of walking in, being rooted in, being built up, up, being built up in, being established in God's grace towards us in Christ. And as we walk in God's grace, Colossians 2 says that it leads to an abundance a wealth of thanksgiving. And so uh, if you hear only one thing from this sermon today, here's what I want you to hear. You don't become thankful by focusing on the feelings of thankfulness. You become thankful by focusing on the amazing, wondrous, immeasurable grace that God has given to you in Christ. We cultivate thanksgiving as we walk in the grace of God. Right? Amen. But walking in God's grace, right, that, just the sound of that, me telling you that, it sounds a little abstract. Right? I know that. 
And so I kind of want to just flesh that out a little bit. Uh, Grace uh, is a word that gets used a lot, especially by uh, Christians. Uh, And so I think it's worth defining. What what are we talking about when we say grace? Uh, Grace is the free and unmerited favor of God. The free and unmerited favor of God. Grace essentially means that we get the complete opposite of what we deserve. We deserve God's wrath. But instead, we get the blessings of Christ. That is grace. And so walking in God's grace, cultivating thanksgiving, has something to do, sort of first and foremost, with how we see ourselves. I think the defining question uh, for us when it comes to thanksgiving is this. Do you see yourself uh, as a deserving person or as a blessed person? Do you see yourself as a deserving person or a blessed person? And and before you answer that, uh, I want you to listen to this description uh, of a deserving person. And And I want you to see what do you identify with? Uh, in your own life, uh, in this description. Uh, A deserving person feels entitled, and so they're discontent and restless about what they don't have, and they hold tight to what is deservedly theirs. Uh, A deserving person is self-absorbed because they're focused on gratifying their own justifiable desires. A deserving person is prone towards comparison, and so they tend to either be discouraged and envious because they don't measure up, or they're overly critical because they think that they're as deserving as someone else. A deserving person tends to base their sense of worth or value on their own merit, what they can do or achieve on their own. A deserving person is prone towards anxiety because they're worried that the things that they have earned will be taken from them. Where do you see the fruit of thanklessness in your life? Because wherever thanksgiving is lacking, it's an indicator of where we are not seeing ourselves correctly. It's a sign that we have forgotten the immeasurable riches of God's grace towards us in Christ. You see, on the other hand, seeing ourselves as blessed people produces contentment. Blessed people are content in all things because they have received all they need in Christ. They're full and rich in Jesus. Seeing ourselves as blessed people produces joy. Blessed people have, have a secure future which frees them from anxiety or worry. Seeing ourselves as blessed people produces humility in our lives. Blessed people know how sinful they are. They know that they're not in a position to boast or defend themselves. Right? But they also know how loved they are by God. They have no need to prove themselves or build their worth on what they can do or accomplish. They're not self-important, which means they can empty themselves and become radically involved in the lives of others. A life of thanksgiving, 
a life of walking in God's grace starts by seeing ourselves correctly, that in Christ we get what we do not deserve. We are blessed people. Do we believe that? I want to finish by just pointing out two practical things that we see in Colossians that will help us in this endeavor of living lives of thanksgiving. And the first one is this. Uh, steadfast prayer. Uh, look at Colossians 4. That last passage down there. In Colossians 4, Paul says that we're to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I think that's an interesting phrase, uh, being watchful uh, in prayer. As I have been thinking about thanksgiving in my own life these past uh, two weeks or so, one major barrier uh, I feel personally is just how distracted and hurried my life is. Uh, I'm so easily distracted by uh, the next thing I, I need to do or, or some new music or podcast that I want to listen to uh, or some article that I just randomly stumbled on uh, or, or some new project that I'm working on at home or, or thinking about uh, working on. Right? I, I'm often just so hurried immediately on uh, to the next thing. I don't create any margin in my life, or worse, uh, I avoid watching out for what God is doing in my life, what God is doing uh, in the lives of those around me. And look, if we're not aware of how we're doing, if we're not aware of what God is doing in our lives, if we're not aware of what's going on around us, then how on earth are we going to respond with thanksgiving? But what I've experienced in my own life, uh, and I've especially experienced that uh, this year as our church has had this uh, emphasis on being devoted to prayer, uh, is is that prayer helps me uh, to slow down and to be watchful, uh, as Paul says. It helps me to take stock of what God is doing. Uh, It helps me to see uh, what God is doing in myself and in those around me and to be stirred by it. It roots me. Uh, in the many blessings that God has given me. Uh, A hurried and distracted life often makes you anxious. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it's really difficult to be anxious and at the same time to abound in thanksgiving. But prayer helps us to be watchful. Through prayer, we're able to voice our worries and our fears. We're able to confess our sins and our misplaced expectations to God. We're able to take hold of the very promises of God by reflecting on on who God is and what he has done for us. And and as we do that, the grace of God that has given us life and forgiveness and salvation, it it comes flooding into our hearts and minds. We have a fresh assurance of God's grace and his pardon. We have a fresh understanding that we're a son, we're, we're a daughter of God. Uh, in Philippians chapter 4, uh, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Right, as we come to God in prayer, bringing our anxieties and requests to him, the peace of God guards our hearts 
And with that peace comes thanksgiving. A prayer is, is such a valuable means of grace in the life of the Christian. It's such a valuable means of grace in helping, helping us to walk in that grace and to abound in thanksgiving. And secondly, we cultivate a life of thanksgiving through communal worship. Communal worship. We see this in chapter three of Colossians. Look at that passage one more time. And notice as I read it the communal language that Paul uses here. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's plural. Let it rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. He's talking about the body of Christ. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. That's a reciprocal thing. That's something that we do together. We teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And then he says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. To be a thankful person, to be a Christian disciple whose life is marked by thanksgiving, you just cannot do it on your own. We desperately need each other. We need the body of Christ. Thanksgiving is something that we cultivate together as God's people. And it's something that we cultivate together in a special and unique way when we gather together like we are right now on Sundays. At Providence, we follow a, 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 a pattern of worship here on Sundays. Or you might call them rhythms of grace. And these rhythms form us in a life of thanksgiving. Every time we gather here on Sundays, we first are called to worship God. Right? And then we confess our sins and we're immediately assured of pardon. We receive this good news together, reminding us that our sins are covered. We're being renewed. We've been received and forgiven by God in Christ. And then God's word is, is proclaimed, a fresh gospel word that teaches, equips, and sets us apart as God's people. And in, in response to the word of God's grace, we partake in communion together. Communion is also called Eucharist, the Eucharist which comes from that same Greek word, Eucharistia, which means thanksgiving. Communion is a thanksgiving meal. And that's how I want to invite you to receive it today. We come to this thanksgiving meal, we come to this communion table not as deserving people, but as those who have been blessed by God in Christ. And as we're nourished together by this meal, we are reminded this Thanksgiving week that it is far better to be blessed. Let me pray for us. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.